Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. The, the, the Word of God is intimidating. And so we're going through this series we've just began um, called uh, The Bible for Dummies. And that would be all of us. Because the Word of God is, is more, it's supposed to be intimidating. It's the Word of God. And so the passage, um, Esh started us off last week. The passage we're going to look at this morning is kind of the decoder for the entire word of God. And if you can look at this passage, and if you can understand an inkling of this passage, it will open the rest of the word of God to us. It will begin to make more sense. It's like the gateway. It's like the trailhead to begin that journey to understand the word of God. We'll always be dummies to some degree with the word of God, but to that point where you feel more confident going down the road. And when I say the decoder, I mean, you have seen the movie Christmas Story, right? I mean, right? If you didn't, that's your assignment for this week. Uh, And in there, there's this this scene where uh, he gets this decoder thing where you can listen to the radio. They used to have this thing called the radio. And you'd listen to the radio and he'd watch this show or listen to this show and he had this little thing that would have letters and certain letters would be shared or numbers and he could decode from Ovaltine what the message was. If you can understand this, and it's not nearly as complicated as the Ovaltine's decoder program, if you can understand this, then you will begin to understand the rest of the word of God because it all points in this direction. So the passage we're looking at is John chapter one. In the Bibles that you have, um, it is in the beginning, it's in the Gospels, uh, it is the book of John, and it's the very first chapter, the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now at this point, you're going, yeah, I am a dummy. What the heck is going on here? Okay, verse 2, he was with God in the beginning through him. All things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. What's up, hairspray? How you doing? In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So we can read the Bible sometimes, and it's written so well, or in this case, it's so poetic, that it's like flowing water, and it just kind of flows right through our fingers, and we, and we lose it. And so what I try to do for my own, my own purposes, um, and I don't do this too often, but I'll take the whole passage, and this was a lot longer passage. That's pretty much what happens when we teach. Uh, when those of us who are up here teaching, we, we have all this we want to share, and I was going to go verses 1 through 14. And then you realize, no, this is too much. And then you shrink, okay, let's just do this, and then we'll go 9 through 14, 1 through 5 and 9 through 14. And then you get to the point where you're like, okay, let's just do 1 through 5, because this is just too much to understand. And so I translated all of 1 through 14. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I know enough of Greek to try to translate it. And when I translate it, I like to just go word for word, and it's transliterated like word for word, which means it's very awkward when you try to read it. So this is someone that has... um, They've seen it, 
They've seen the, the translation, and then they make it so that you can read it in normal English. But sometimes I think it's, it's so normal that we miss it. And so when I translate it, if we could go to the, the next slide, it's, it's my translation, um, which is not an official approved translation. I don't know who officially approves. But, um, but when, you, when you translate it, if it's word for word, it, it does sound very Yoda-ish. Uh, if, if, um, if you've seen any of the Star Wars, there's the little green guy, and when he speaks, he just kind of, it's just not quite right. Something's always a little bit off, you know, like, do or do not. There is no try. But you know what? It makes a lot of sense. And if you were to say it in normal flowing English, like, hey, don't try. You either do it or you don't. Now, that sounds good too, but it sounds so much better. Just do or do not. There is no try. Now, I'm not going to do the Yoda voice because every time I do it, I go Indian. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I practiced it a few times and it just didn't sound right. So, um, But this translation, my translation, there was no intention to try to make it smooth. I wanted to do it so that it just, well, word for word. So listen to it in a different way now. In the beginning was the voice, and the voice was with God, and God was the voice. He was in the beginning with God. All through him was made, and without him, not any came into being which was created. In him life was, and the life was the light of men. And the light in the darkness shined, and the darkness it did not overtake. The key word we're going to look at here is the word logos. So if we go back to the original translation um, from the NIV, which is the Bibles that we passed out to you, the, the New International Version, in that it says, in the beginning was the word. And in almost all of your translations, it'll say the word. And that word in Greek is logos. And that is the word we're going to look at this morning. Because if we can understand that word, if we can understand what the intention of John was when he brought this up, then the rest of the word of God will then open up to us. It'll decode it. It, it. Everything points towards the word, including the Old Testament, not just the New Testament. The entire word of God points towards this logos. And that word, for anyone during that time when John wrote this, it had all this packed meaning. It's one of those powerful terms. It, it, to the Greeks, the word logos, so when it says in the beginning was the word, that, that word, word, is logos. And to the Greeks... That meant, because they, they, they believed there was a God um, or gods, and they believed that logos was the way that God would present himself, the presence of God. And then you had the pantheists, and they believed that God is in everything, you know, in the, in the light, in the wood, in the speaker, in your eyeball. So God is in everything. And the way that they, they use that word as well, but when they use that word, they, they said that logos is, is, is what keeps everything together on this planet. Pretty cool word, huh? They thought of it differently from the Greeks, but they also said, but it was also the way that wisdom was given to men. Logos, that was the wisdom. And, and in that term, logos, it meant, it meant like this, this, this it's not just a, a unit of information, like a word like we would say, like, you know, dog, that's a word. No, for them, it was like the word that goes forward, right? So if I were to say something, um, like I'm saying right now, 
So words are coming out. It, it's, a, it's a message that's coming out. So it wasn't just something that sat by itself, but logos meant this thing that goes forth. And there's a message, a revelation with that. And so there's a translation. The reason I put the word voice is because I stole it from these people. In their commentary of this passage, I think they nailed it. And so as we move forward trying to understand what is happening here, let's look at why they describe why they use that. They said, since logos essentially refers to the act of speaking or bringing thoughts to expression, we, the editors of the Voice of the Bible, have decided to use the word voice to capture that reality. John declares that the truth has culminated in the person of Jesus. And no single word captures the complete meaning of logos, but voice has a number of advantages. And the reason I want us to focus primarily this morning on that word, logos, or as we're going to look to it as voice, is because it does have advantages for us to understand that gateway into understanding the word of God. Understanding the book of Philippians, understanding Genesis, understanding Exodus, understanding 1 Corinthians, understanding these letters from Paul, understanding the gospels where Jesus is, is having his words shared with us and his life shared with us. It makes sense when we understand that in the beginning was the voice and the voice was God and was with God. Let me give you um, some examples of some advantages to using this word voice. Because voice, a voice is the, is the bridge between the sender and the receiver, right? As I'm sharing right now, my voice is going forward and it's the bridge between us. In the beginning was the bridge. See how it just opens up there? It's also, when you say the voice, there's, there's, there, it's a verb also. There's, there's the, the, the noun, you know, he has a voice. There, in the beginning was the voice, but in that there, there's understood that there's an action. Our relationship with God is meant to be active. It's not there was this God and he said something and it's like he's speaking now. He is not silent. He is the voice. He is the logos. He was in the beginning and he is now. And so that begins to open us up to understanding so much more. And when I hear that word voice, and I think of God as being the voice. I can't help but think of um, John chapter 10. And I think of the voice of the shepherd. This is what, uh, this is what it says in John chapter 10. Um, and it's a great passage for you to be able to read this week. John chapter 10. And Jesus is saying, look, I am the good shepherd. And those who are my sheep, they hear my voice. I've shared this with you guys before with my kids, when they're, my boys, uh, when they're out surfing, I had to develop something so they could hear me because they just wouldn't get out of the water. And so, um, and in our neighborhood, if, if they left, I'm, I'm one of those parents, I mean, as a kid, I could wander wherever. I was able to just disappear. My parents never, my mom never knew where I was, and, but 
I'm fearful that my kids, something's going to happen to them. So I want to be able to say something, and they'll hear my voice, and they'll come. And so for me, it was this whistle. And I practiced it all the time. I'd drive in the, because I couldn't whistle. I could whistle, but not that, you know, that whistle, like, woo, and you could just send it out, and everybody can hear it. And so I would practice all the time in my car trying to work on this whistle. I did it for six months. Keaton was like three, and Zeke was one, and I was working on it till I could perfect it so it was loud enough so they could hear me from a distance. Because I'd heard about parents that had this whistle, and their parents, the, the kids, when they heard it, they went, it's time to go. I heard the voice, and the voice is calling, and it's time. And so I developed that whistle, and now it's just beautiful. I'm at the beach. I'll blow it. Everyone looks at me all freaked out, and the kids are like, one more. I give them the one. They give me the one signal back. We're on the same page. They know. They've heard the voice of the good shepherd, and they're coming in. And so when Jesus describes himself, he describes himself as the good shepherd. And those who hear my voice will come because they are mine. In the beginning was the voice, and the voice was with God and was God. When we're talking about the voice, too, we, we cannot simplify it to just some calling. It is specifically, clearly referring to a person, to an identity. Not just some action, but to an actual person. The one who is God and becomes man. Because as we're going to see later, we talk about this voice moving into the neighborhood. That's how good the good shepherd is. In fact, in John 10, Jesus says, and I am the good shepherd because I lay down my life for the sheep. That's the definition of good right there. For God so loved that he gave his son, and this good shepherd gave of himself for us. So uh, last Sunday, uh, we as a family were on vacation, and so we had all these photos lying around. We, we're, we're in that purging stage. Um, that uh, book, can't remember her name, sweet Japanese lady, and it's a book about the, the getting uncluttered and the beauty of tidiness or something like that. And so my wife's gotten into that, which is the greatest gift a husband could ever get. And then I'm so passionate about it. So we've started cleaning up and, and we had all these photos out. And so I planned this time for us as a family to gather together to worship. And they're like, uh-oh, what, what are we going to do here? What is this going to look like? And so we had all the photos out. And I said, I want you to look at all the photos. I mean, not all of our photos. We have way too many photos. But we looked at them, and I said, I want you to look at how God has taken care of us through the years. Just look at it. Because when you look at your photos, you can see the signature of God. You can see the fingerprints of God in our lives. And so we were looking at when Steph and I were first dating. We were looking at me when I was a little kid, when Steph was a little kid, when we first had our oldest, when um, we had our second, when they were playing on trips. We just looked at, at God's grace, even in the difficult times, as we've talked a lot about here over the past year or so. We were able to look at God's hand over us. And so then after we looked at that, I said, now let's look at Psalm 23. In Psalm 23, because, um, you know, we're all experts in the Bible. Psalm 23 is where David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what he's doing, he's an older man now, and he's looking back at his life, like we did. And he's looking back at his life, 
And he's seen how this good shepherd has taken care of him. And so when we're with our kids, one of the things I shared with them is we're looking at that passage. We didn't go verse for verse. I don't want to make it sound like we're the kind of family that does that all the time. I'm always impressed with when I hear stories of that with other families. And then I feel very intimidated and I feel like I fall short. We don't do this all the time. This is one of the highlights of my dad moment, my dad um, biography. So I'm looking at that passage and I'm sharing with them. I said, now notice here that David says, as he's talking about God and how God has looked out for him and cared for him. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So I asked them the question, hey, what's a rod? And they're like, uh, and one of the kids tries to come up with an answer, but they had no clue. And then we're like, okay, now, only talk about what you know. If you don't know, the best thing you can say is, I don't know. And so then that child does, I don't know. I say, okay, well, let's talk about it. A rod was this stick, and it was about this long. And imagine almost like a billy club, like a, a police officer would carry. And I said, if the sheep was going off course and was in danger, endangering itself, or if this sheep was endangering someone else, another sheep, then the good shepherd would take this rod and sling it to hit the sheep. And then by hitting the sheep, the sheep would go, oh, that was like the voice. <laughs> that was the voice of God from a distance, the voice of the shepherd. <laughs> and it would hit the sheep, and the sheep would go, okay, I'm not supposed to be doing whatever it is I'm doing. And it would stop because the, the shepherd couldn't get there in time or it was in, in, a, in a, a critical, time-sensitive moment. And so the rod would be thrown. And that was done out of love. It wasn't like, hey, I'm bored. Let's, let's beat up the sheep. It was out of love to protect that sheep or the other sheep, because sometimes sheep would just beat up on each other. And then I asked, well, what's the staff? And then one of the, the kids said, well, the staff would be another way that the shepherd could then beat on the sheep. And I was like, no, that's not what it was for. I said, there was a reason that it had that little, you know, hook at the end. It was because that would fit around the belly or the gut of the sheep or around the neck so that they could pull the sheep closer. And so the good shepherd would pull the sheep closer so that he could examine them and make sure they don't have any cuts or any infections or any, um, you know, lice or, or fleas to, to make sure that the sheep was healthy. And if there were any cuts or any infections and something needed to happen, what would then happen is, is that they would take ointment or some kind of healing balm and put it in the cut so that the infection would be taken care of because that's what God does. God not only protects us from where we're going or hurting other people, but also pulls us near to care for us. But it wasn't just to do something. God loves us and wants to be near us and knows that we need to be near him. And so that, that staff was also used just to pull the sheep next to the shepherd because sheep, just like us, need to be near the shepherd. And he would just reach out and just hold them, care for them. Sometimes not by doing anything, then just by putting his hand on the sheep and letting them know, you belong to me. Those are examples of God's active voice, of, of, of Christ being who he is by definition, the voice. In the preparation for this, um, uh, I always go through it with other people. And of course, we always go through it with uh, the worship leaders. And so I went through it with Drew. And pretty much from here on out, I just straight stole from Drew. Drew had such wisdom. And 
as he will tell you, he stole all that wisdom. And I can't remember all the names of the people that he got it from, but there was such great stuff that he shared that made sense. One of the things he said was, um, he goes, you know, the signal to noise ratio. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. He goes, you can look it up. So I looked it up. And I was like, oh, I do understand the signal to noise ratio. It was, we're going to rephrase it today, the voice to noise ratio. And that means when there's any kind of interference to the message, there's any kind of side interference to the message or the voice. So for example, as we've had here before, someone's been up speaking and we've left the side door open and I don't know what the deal is, but we've, we had a rat one time, one time come in, and then I remember Jen Wyckoff sitting in the front, she's like, oh, and I saw him, I said, oh gosh, go out, and I'm thinking, this is going to be a distraction, nobody's going to hear anything else that happens, sure enough, he decided, I'm just going to go for it, I went whoosh, straight up the middle, and everybody started, it was, that's noise, right, that's a complete distraction, there was no sound from the actual rat, but that was a distraction, it is anything that interferes with the voice, and so we've had pigeons come in, fly around. We've had times where someone had a party the night before and balloons stayed up all until the most important part of the voice, the message, and they just start falling. And that's a distraction. If I were to be up here and start flapping my arms all over, or if I had some kind of tick, and I may have one that I don't know about that's really irritating to you, it's a distraction. No matter what I'm saying, if I keep saying, um, 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 you're like, what's the deal? Why does that guy keep saying um all the time? You can't hear anything else because of the distraction. That's sound to noise ratio. You want to eliminate all the noise so that you can hear the voice. Blaise Pascal said this. You know who Blaise Pascal is, right? Yeah, he, he ruined our life with math. And... He, I think he created calculus from what I remember. Somebody tell me. He created calculus in his room one time. Yeah. He's smart. Blaise Pascal said this, though, about the voice. He said, the thing that scares man the most is to be alone in their room for more than 20 minutes with no distractions. And it's true, isn't it? <laughs> Isn't that why we're sometimes afraid to go pray in silence? Isn't that why we don't want to walk into a room and it to be completely quiet? Isn't it why we hunger to, to run out to be with other people or to have some kind of distraction? Because there's this inherent fear of being alone with the voice, with just us and God himself and all other distractions removed. Except when we get to that place, there's nothing more beautiful that can happen then when the voice to noise ratio is completely down to one and it's just the voice we hear. In terms of unlocking the word of God, we've got to get to the point where we are willing to eliminate all other noise, all other distractions so that we can truly hear God's voice. Do we really want that? That's one of the reasons we're really fearful about being in a room alone, being just with God's voice because there's so many different reasons, but probably the main thing is, is we're afraid. And one of the things we're afraid of is that things might have to change. Because the voice is not just some sound that goes out that we can be entertained by. It's a voice that by definition 
expects a response, expects obedience. Much like the rod and the staff that go out, they go out out of love, but there's a response that's expected back. And when we hear that voice and submit ourselves to that voice, there's an expectation that we are going to fall underneath the authority of that voice. Later in John, uh, John 11, Jesus says this. Now we need to know what happens before this. Just before this, Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to the cross. And he also says, we're going to go, and Lazarus is dead, but we're going to go to him. And they're afraid. Not afraid that Jesus won't be able to raise Lazarus from the dead. They're afraid that when they go, they're going to get killed. Like one of the disciples says that. Hey, look, man, you know the last time we were there, they tried to kill you. And they tried to kill us. Us too. Don't forget us. And if we go there, it's going to be, it, 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 we could die. And they're afraid. The voice is calling them. Jesus walking next to them, the voice that moved into the neighborhood is saying, we're going to go. When the voice speaks, we should obey it. But even these disciples who've walked with him are like, we don't really want to do that. That scares us because we could die. And then Jesus says this, but if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Now that should remind you, this should all remind you back to Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, in the beginning, right? In the beginning, and there was darkness hovering over the waters. And then God spoke the voice. God spoke, and then there was light. And in John 1, which we've been looking at just now, in the beginning was the voice, and the voice was with God and was God. And then, if you remember it, second part of it in verse 4 and 5, and he was the light of life. And then we look at here, and he's referring back to that. If anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because this light is not in him. What's this light? Obeying God's voice. When you trust in God's voice, and fall underneath that, then the light is in you and you can now see. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, right? We all know what it is to stumble. But that word stumble, that's a euphemism, which means it's a nice way to say, oh, you know, stumble. And so many of you probably thought, oh, yeah, if it's night, I may stub my toe. No, that word stumble, that's when you're walking in the night, imagine a concrete floor you're walking and you stumble, that's worse than just stubbing your toe, isn't it? Like if you've ever had a child and had them fall off a chair, and they all do, and when they fall, even if it's on carpet, you're like, brain damage, and you're running to them to pick them up because we know how bad it can be when we stumble. I remember my daughter stumbling down 40 stairs as I'm running after her and she's tumbling down. That was not something light. That was not something gentle. If anyone walks in the night he stumbles. There can be cuts. There can be broken bones. There can be smashed faces. There can be brain damage. There can be permanent disability. Anyone who walks in the night who doesn't listen to the voice, he stumbles. You, disciples, who don't want to go back here because you're letting fear get in the way, you need to trust me, even if it ends badly for us. Trust me. Trust the good shepherd. Trust the voice. Otherwise, you're walking in the night and the light will not be in you. It will not light your path. 
That doesn't mean the path is gonna go where all the roses and the white unicorns are where you want to be. But you need to trust me that I know where I am taking us. And when it comes to understanding the word of God, it's ultimately always gonna point back to Jesus. And it's gonna point back to his word. And it's gonna point back to are we willing to turn to him and to be saved? I have, we, we all have so many of these situations. But in this past year, I've had a, a good friend of mine. And this person chose well, to walk in the night. This person knew what God was calling them to. And this person chose to not obey because of the distractions, because of the noise. For this particular person, it was a bunch of different things. One of the things was uh, pleasure. Just tired, didn't really want to work anymore. And so this person left their spouse and their children and moved out. And, you know, we always come up with our different reasons, but this particular person, they knew what they were doing. And I had to sit with this friend of mine and say, you realize that you are willingly walking into the dark. You are willingly walking away from your spouse. You are willingly walking away from your children. And more importantly, you know what God is calling to and you are willingly walking away from him and separating yourself from him. Not his love, but from him. You realize what you are doing because if you don't, someone needs to tell you. And the person couldn't even look me in the eye because they just, the noise was too great. The other distractions, the other fears were so great. The effort that was needed to make this work seemed beyond. And like the disciples that said, no, no, let's not go back there. Let's not go back there. This person said, no, I don't want to go back there. I'm, I'm just going to go somewhere else. And it has not gone well for that person at all because that's what happens. For the entire word of God to be understood, for it to be unlocked, we need to realize that God is calling us to him because he loves us. He is commanding us because he loves us. When I blow that whistle to my kids, there's a reason behind it. One of the things that, that crossed my mind is that every Sunday and even during the week, we talk about having the word of God with you. You know, we're going to have this time of, of the, the, the Bible for dummies. But the reason we're, we're doing that is to try to lower the bar in our heads so that we will then engage with the word of God. Because the word of God is so intimidating. The Bible is so intimidating that we don't want to enter into it. So we just don't start. But that doesn't make any sense because if you want to hear God's voice, there's no better place than to open up the word of God to start. Start in the book of John. It's, it's, the, it's, it's one of the books we always tell people, start there. If you want to start anywhere, start there. Or if it seems too long or too intimidating, start in the letter to the Philippians. But start. It doesn't make any sense. If we're serious about this, then make that step. The other thing is, is that we need to come to a decision on how would we define what John defines in one. He says from his testimonies, we have seen and witnessed that he, the word, the logos, the voice, Jesus, was in the beginning, was with God and is God, and we've walked with him. And he's trying to encourage people to trust in this voice. Have you made that decision yet? Uh, last, uh, on January 1st, we, we were sharing um, 
And someone walked up to me and says, I think we need an altar call right now. And I said, well, we don't typically do that. We always want to call people to Christ, but we don't typically ask people to come forward just because in the Bible we don't see it that often. It started in the beginning of the 20th century, and it's a great tool, but, but you know what? Sometimes there needs to be that point where you say, you know what? I, I need to remind myself and everyone else that I intend to follow this voice. And for some of you, it may be the first time. You may not have had that moment where you've said, you know what? I've made a decision that I'm going to follow God that I'm going to trust him above my fears, above my wisdom, above the wisdom of every, against any other noise, any other voices out there. I want just the voice. That's what I want. And so we're going to give you that opportunity during the worship songs to come up over here and to pray with someone. But you don't have to come up here. That may be encouraging to you. It may, it may be the visible symbol of the decision you've made. And so we want to encourage you to do that. And for some of you, you know that there's the voice of God that's calling you to do something or to stop doing something. And you've been ignoring that voice and you've been trying to run from it and you realize that, look, that's a dumb decision because I know that God has what's best for me and what's best for others. And he's gonna call me to bring glory to himself and to love others and that he's got me. I can trust him. Even if it scares the living daylights out of me, I can trust him. And so we want to open that up for you. So I want to invite everybody to stand right now. And I'm going to pray for us as Drew and Charlotte come on up. And I'm going to pray that God would lead us where he wants us to go through his voice. Father God, above all, Lord, more than understanding the Bible, more than staying safe. We want to hear your voice. We so often think everyone else can hear it and we can't. And we know that you don't speak all the time. But we know that you do speak. And we ask that you would give us ears to hear. And that we would would have awe in who you are and place you where you belong as God, as the creator, and that we would not have any expectations except to trust in you, in your timing and the way you do things. So I ask, Father, that you would guide us as the body of Christ. For those um, that are praying up here over others, and for those that come forward, Lord, that you would give them an encounter with you, with your voice. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.